my notes. Yep. Wow, that's a lot of notes. I did it. You did it, Dan. <laughs> and look, with your little flip phone and everything, it's so the cute. The flip phone makes this fucking killer. Really taking it into the future here. That's Proud of you. Yeah. Proud of you, dog. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, it's been a while. When we started this podcast, uh, we had about two seasons before the world ended. Those seasons, we were so happy then. You could tell we were doing so well. <laughs> mentally yeah. uh and then the pandemic happened um at the beginning of the pandemic i think it was our well actually i can now with our handy yeah. movie blue score sheet can see kind of exactly yeah. and, and also as a quick aside from last week i feel like I, I need to point out that i do recognize the irony in me or either of us chastising people putting over emotional rants about things on the <laughs> internet on the internet when that's the basis for this entire podcast that's right. not that irony's not lost on me well dan um, but i still think you're a fucking asshole <laughs> i know you had said to me your new year's resolution was not to care so much so as our dear listeners listen to the last 40 or so of that episode keep that in mind i would ask uh. you how your progress on that front is going <laughs> but i would uh maybe wait a couple days before i check back in um so for us uh, we had two seasons out of five that were unmolested by the world ending. Um, and then somewhere in between season two and three, it looks like, because season three's opener was anti-coronavirus, uh, that uh, corona happened. We said that we no, were... It, it, yeah, no, it happened during season two because we watched... We did... Uh, oh, yeah, remote episodes. Yeah. because The faculty... The faculty, Soul Man, Soul Man Death and, Becomes Her... Yeah. So, you know, we had one and a half seasons of the Movie Blues podcast in person. You know what? I think our final one in person maybe was Grind. And then we had like a year almost where we couldn't be in the same room. Um, anyway, to update people, um, uh, Corona hasn't stopped yet. It's now what? It's how... so crazy. <laughs> now yeah, because season two done... started with Jane Silent Bob reboot, right. which I went to see in a sold out movie theater with a Q&A with Kevin Smith. Right. And just like the memory of me having done that causes me anxiety in my current paradigm. The thought of being in a sold out movie theater. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I told you that I, I went to see Dune in IMAX, um, which uh, my one regret is that that was in between seasons for us, but whatever. But I went and saw Dune in IMAX in a sold out showing and the air conditioning was broken. Yeah. So I was schwitzing on top of having a panic attack and was with my work friend. So didn't want to completely have a mental breakdown in front of him. And we were sitting in the center of the theater in the center aisle with 30 plus people on each side. It was not great. I was within feet of people for the first time ever uh, during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, anyway, news update to all of our listeners. I have already had Corona. It happened. I had it for nine days straight. It was fucking terrible. Uh, it is not a little cold. I am vaccinated. It sucked T like a, f a football field of dicks and um i'm back now just by the skin of my teeth my throat is still a little bit hoarse but um what i find funny dan is that like you know my favorite show is tim and eric's like spin-off movie review show on cinema and there's eight seasons of that show and the way you can mark your progress in that show is they do a riff on the fact that roger ebert was always sick first he had the throat thing and then he had like brace on and then he had like no chin and then blah 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 so every season of on cinema this show on youtube that you can watch now it's one of the funniest things ever to do with movie culture but in that show he always has a different injury he like gets addicted to vape and his vape battery explodes and like scars his <laughs> neck he like gets um addicted to smoothies made by a fake doctor and then gets sick to the point that they have to do a colostomy bag, which they were literally like filling and emptying like during the show. And now I'm starting to feel like that's me in this show where like I've had like the time that I swallowed the Dorito wrong and it went down my yeah, throat right. and I couldn't talk for weeks. Um, now I've had coronavirus. Um, and uh, other than that, uh, doing well. Uh, but Dan, how's your end of the pandemic been leading into this season? Um, by end of the pandemic, I mean, yeah. it, it is never going to end. Still haven't gotten COVID. <laughs> Congrats, dog. Kind of kind of wish I just got that out of the way, but cuz then I could stop living in fear. <laughs> but, That'd be great. But alas, I have not and have been able to continue using it as an excuse to not do anything that my friends invite me to. Surprise, motherfucker. Um it's really 
allowed me to be me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's how I felt about lockdown and that whole first year. I call it the first hundred. Um, uh, during that period of time, when everyone was freaking out. I was like, I am having the time of my life. Cheers. I am becoming Leonardo DiCaprio from that picture of him uh, <laughs> holding his champagne glass up um, in, in The Great Gatsby. <laughs> That is my vibe for most of the pandemic. Then there were some dark times, though. When I realized, yeah. like, oh, this is going to be more than a year, that got really rough. Yeah, um, for sure. Anyway, it's good to have you live in the studio. But, it's good uh, but to be I, here. Yeah, I will say that it's been nice that, like, I've been able to go back to using COVID as an excuse to not do shit. Yeah. Because there Hasn't was a, it felt nice to go back. There to was that a wild where, while where it was touch and go where people would invite me to shit. And I'd like instinctively like, start well, going, COVID. well, we're, we're on quarantine. And I was like, oh, like fu- oh, fuck. I went to work yesterday. I can't really say I'm a, <laughs> so now no, I just got back from vacation. And then they were, they were like, they're like, yeah, right. I was like, I went to six concerts last month. <laughs> um, no, I can't help you move your car. But they're like, now that Omicron came back up, I'm like, I'm, I'm easing back into using it as a reason to not do stuff and that's been super chill um, well you know that i was like an inch away from going to biscuits new year's and besides the fact that i would have tested positive and had coronavirus during it i'm very glad i got excused from that homework assignment so yeah i had you know this omicron surge terrible r.i.p everybody but also been a dope couple weeks so let's ride on that vibe yeah i uh <laughs> i've watched i've watched a bunch of movies I oh got, yeah yeah me too in the off season rachel I, is about to jump off a cliff though. yeah Let's just all yeah. keep that in mind everybody prayers for rachel yeah uh the social deprivation is is having a great effect on her brain so yeah. i got everybody a new job in the off season yes fucking that's been that's great. great yeah that's good i work from home all the time which is great for pandemic i just fucking chill well you know what guys this is the cold open where we're just like being good people just in general to each other and being happy. So fucking enjoy it because now we're going to watch an M. Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> you think Chris could have tossed us a new uh, new theme for season five? I mean, I could. I don't want to pay him again, but I could do it. I mean, we pay him in exposure. True, true. <laughs> Like, I, I don't think Tetracube is paying the bills, but clearly the Movie Blues podcast is. I should start hyping the podcast whenever people mention Space Bacon on Reddit. That would be nice of you. Yeah. Be like, oh, Space Bacon conducted our podcast music in a way. <laughs> um, all right. <clears throat> Old. Starring M. Night Shyamalan. And I do mean <laughs> starring <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan. Um, so- yeah. My second note. Night, sh- night sighting. <laughs> um yeah you texted me that night sighting um all right so let's let's start at the beginning the beginning is that um we have never covered an m night Shyamalan movie on this podcast we did cover a documentary <laughs> about m night Shyamalan made to suggest that he has psychic powers let's get that straight right fucking now that is the truth so we've never yeah. we've never covered this the, is still the part of the life. movie blues canon. Not only that, but the episode we recorded for that got erased, and then we re-recorded it. <laughs> right, and within that episode is where we gave our ratings of all of the previous M Night movies, and that right. all got erased. So guess what? We're about to do again, motherfuck, bitch. No, we're just gonna have a really small conversation about it because I feel as if that doesn't exist anywhere, and you know this is an M Night Shyamalan picture. Right. But I want to be clear with everybody about something up front. There's a special filter to which. Any person who likes film should watch an M. Night Shyamalan movie, right? Like, he – I don't want to excuse him from being a bad filmmaker, <laughs> but but he is a filmmaker who, for whatever reason, I'm sure Andre would agree with this, has a vision. Whether that vision is good, bad, accurate to how people walk, talk, and act in human society, that is up for debate. Now watching all of his films in retrospect um, – so when I review this movie today, I want to do it from a place of this is an M. Night Shyamalan movie. It's not. This is a movie that's based on a graphic novel from France, which I got and read this week and have upstairs. And we will talk about very briefly. But it is an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Um, so take that or leave it uh, in terms of our opinions here. Um, but we did have to suffer through a documentary that made us hate him more than any person could ever hate him. Um and really showed us disgusting sides of him that I really hated. Um, so I'm not sure where Dan's going to land on this one. Uh, as always with the Movie Blues podcast, we have a moratorium on what we thought of the movie. 
Um, I haven't told him what I've thought, even though I published a full three-page review on the rental zone. He probably didn't read. I had no idea you did that. And he... uh, (laughs) (laughs) And likewise, vice versa. So, um, yeah, we don't know how each other feels about it. Now, Dan did see that I own the movie, that it's upstairs in my Blu-ray shelf um, that I have. But I will posit to you that that movie I own in part because I like saw it it was on sale one day and I mentioned out loud and Rachel was like oh I would like to rewatch that and I was like me too so I don't want you to take that as a glowing endorsement yet but either way uh, let's talk about um, Knight's earlier films uh, after we do our famous segment 30 seconds longer than we usually last uh, I fucking spoiled mine already a segment in which for one minute we are allowed to talk about whatever we want of any kind, of any ilk, of any flavor. Um, and um, I guess I'll start off today because Dan seems to have lost his. Does that sound good to you, yeah, Dan? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, at some point in, like, the 1990s, I'm going to assume it was the 1990s, a choice could have been made. The choice was, will video games of the future have plots that anyone can understand and will actually kind of resemble movies and be cinematic and interesting? Or will they devolve into complete, ridiculous Japanese filth that makes absolutely no sense? Doesn't matter where it comes from. It's even the Halo game on Microsoft, which I think is an American company, seems to be written by a Japanese robot from the future (laughs) whose idea of plotting and characters makes absolutely no sense and includes thousands of words of exposition per game found in audio logs and beyond that make absolutely no sense. I really think games made a choice to become about nothing and to be stupid, and therefore gaming culture is full of stupid, weird freaks, twisted, sick losers, who think that achievements on Xbox matter or what level of difficulty you played a game that no one will ever witness your progress on? Legend, Like bro. some sick loser? Dan, you ready for yours? Uh, or do you want to respond to mine at all? Do you, do you agree with any of those sentiments? or Do I agree that the plots for games have become bad? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, there's big exceptions. I mean, like, you know, like The Last of Us of the World. Yes, of course. Um, yes. I'd say. Agreed. But that is, you know that that's this, the minority. This, this isn't me simping for Sony the way I typically do, though I do simp Sony's for Sony. video game Sony's storytelling. IP, yeah. they have 100%. gone out of their way to, like, really, like, give uh, give a platform to creators who want to make stories like that. This this Halo game, dude, is the gameplay is, like, the most addictive, best Halo experience. One of the best FPS games ever. It makes, when I say no sense, and I watched a 20-minute video recapping the plots of the first five games in very strong detail yeah very academically didn't understand that video didn't understand the games when i played them do not understand this game it is actual nonsense it's gobbledygook and i just i don't know why and when it became that's what video games need to be like and i think that our generation growing up now like gen z is going to be so fucking stupid from playing things like that. It's just sad. And it's ruining storytelling. I think uh, the younger kids are, like, actually more, much more prone to be playing indie games these days that, like, have great story than our generation is. Oh, yeah, Dan. Yeah. yeah. that the, the entire generation of kids playing Fortnite for 24 hours a day among us I mean, for 100 hours a day. No, the TikTok generation, that, that's like, you think that's they're like, experiencing that's like casual better gamers, storytelling? No, that's like casual gaming but like indie games are doing the best they've ever done like well, on steam and stuff by existing sure but we didn't have those options when we were kids yeah, yeah so for sure. um you know that that as well all right anyway i don't know <clears throat> I, I think i i don't know i think a lot of games are just bad but i mean but like who writes this sh- like death stranding what the fuck what I, by so- contrast days gone killer Okay. In the, all right. Here, I'm going to start your Jeopardy segment okay. if you're going to start talking about the zombie game. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> as far as video games go, uh-huh. whatever happened to couch co-op? Whatever happened to just having a game where you could fucking sit on the couch with split screen and play with your boys or your significant other? Now, if you want to play something with someone locally... It's a game like Little Big Planet or uh, the Two of Us or uh, un- un- Unraveled, where it's like a co-op platformer where you're helping each other climb puzzles. Like, why do- is there such a fucking 
lack of product in the market for just like like fucking local fighting games or racing games or split screen in general split screen anything it's so wild the amount of games that i look at and i'm like oh this would be killer to play with my significant other and then it's like oh online multiplayer only yeah i mean halo was notorious in all of its original titles for being able to do couch co-op campaign yeah i had incredible memories halo one and two playing those games one person riding a fucking jeep the other one on the turret that's Um, that's the new one childhood is going to be an incredible multiplayer experience but it is online only and doesn't come out for six more months so that's the world we live in. I mean, granted, we're in a pandemic, so maybe they don't want us to hang out, but it's been no, like that it's been forever. That yeah, this is the trend for sure. I just don't understand. And it's, they're I only doubling down because, look, you don't sit with your friends and do Facebook together. They are looking at people and going, people sit by themselves and stare at their respective screens for seven hours fucking straight. That's all they want to do. Yeah. They don't want to go outside, be around other people they don't anyway. They want to go to their friend's house? Like, no, if I, if I was not in, to play video games. Like, dude, when I was in To just like get fucked up and watch school, TikTok videos. When I was in elementary school and middle school, we'd go to a friend's house like one kid got a dreamcast either we'd play a split screen game or we'd fucking watch him play something and like by i would think by the very nature of twitch being successful they understand that people still like watching people play video games so by that nature people like hanging out watching each other play video games like when you're a kid you want to go fucking hang out like i don't what the fuck do you do and isn't this an incredible discussion to slowly segue into the film old in which we are having a crisis in between generations about how our semi-boomerish point of view on video games is slowly being unraveled and disrespected, and the movie old as well. I'm saying it's racist, Dan. Kids in the inner cities who don't have high-speed internet can't play video games with each other. (laughs) Honestly, you saying that feels more racist than the actual concept, but uh, pretty sure most people have the internet. But um, yeah, they're de-emphasizing it. It's not available for almost any game anymore and like you were saying when when it is it's like a game shittily built around the idea of couch co-op instead of just having a slam and ass game that two people yeah. can play. with that said we did just finish the campaign for it takes two and that's probably the best couch co-op game i've ever played oh, it was no, pretty remarkable. i wanted to try that it was amazing cool, but, uh, top shelf i don't know anyone that plays video games or would play with me on my couch 10 out of 10 i want someone to play with me on my couch um all right you ready to talk about old yeah <laughs> Um, let's start with uh, negatives, shall we? Be sure. <laughs> I want to say up front that um, M. Night Shyamalan just doesn't know <laughs> doesn't know what human beings talk like <laughs> to each other. Um, th- this is a movie in which uh, people do a lot of exclaiming. They're just like, I curate artwork for museums. We are from Philadelphia. My wife is having a seizure. My name is John. This woman is having a grand mal seizure and other lines that no normal person would say out loud. Yeah, but they say them because like M. Night has a style that whether or not you like him, he has decided you, to employ you through think all of us. by films. now, like, the studio would just be like, sure, we'll make your movie. Like, you're great with the camera. Like, just we're going to give you a script supervisor to just right. do a couple of run-throughs. This movie felt like it desperately needed another run-through. Yeah. Desperately. From a script point of view, yeah. this movie needed a pass. Hard. The, the biggest offense, I would say, is... Uh, I, I thought the uh, the exposition, like the setup uh-huh. of this movie, uh-huh. was like, as a whole, and especially in terms of pacing, was uh-huh. a little bit more tasteful than his movies tend to be. Right. But a lot of it hung up on like his son being a little like fucking borderline autist, like uh-huh. who goes up to strangers asking their profession. That is which, like like the only reason he does that is so that we know that there's a cop on that, the resort. What you're describing is classic night yeah i mean at this point yeah classic night yeah because and let's just have a very very brief talk about this but like m night's other films right six cents say what you will about the six cents positive or negative people talked and acted pretty normally in that movie to a point where it actually lulls the viewer into a false sense of realism that makes the ultimate twist even more shocking because the whole time you're watching this grounded mother a single mother and son drama and when the things start really happening it's like this is scary because it's in the real world whereas his later movies yeah. the happening 
uh, Lady in the Water, those take place in worlds that are not tangible to me. Yeah. That don't exist whether they're in Philadelphia I, or I don't, not. I don't want to like rate his movies on no, Golden Guns, but I want to say whether like they're, they're good or not. And I, I think, think Sixth Sense, Sense is a perfect yeah, movie. Yeah, great movie. 10 out of 10 yeah. for me. Yeah. Perfect Qu- Quality movie. What, I think was, what um, was after that, Unbreakable? Unbreakable is like a 9 out of 10 I also for me. love Unbreakable. Great movie. Great movie. Um, signs. So Signs I liked at the time, but... It doesn't age well when and the plot doesn't hold up to scrutiny at all. Like, why would the aliens come to a planet that's fucking eighty percent water? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> clearly that has that has been pointed out many times. Um, and I agree that it's very stupid. The village. The village. I think I like a bit bit more than you do. At least last time it came up, but I haven't watched it really since around when it came out. But I remember at the time thinking the visceral reaction to it was excessive. <laughs> I think the twist is really what the, the visceral reaction was. Yeah. Mostly towards. Yeah. I'm just like, I think I'm at a point where the endings of movies are, and shows are much less consequential to me if I like enjoyed... Like, I'm not in a place where if I enjoy 90% of something, like, the ending being stupid is going to make me hate the whole thing. Right. That makes sense. Like, it's taken a long time for me to get there. But, like, if I hadn't gotten there while watching Lost, before watching Lost, (laughs) my my whole world might have fallen apart. You've learned a a whole new lesson about what you're able to tolerate yeah in terms of dropping the ball in the last fucking five seconds of the game yeah it's 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 all right um and i think anything after the village uh is pretty bad uh lady in the water is just awful just awful awful. just terrible yeah and the happening is bad and i don't know that i've seen any since then the happening is him and that was a movie i was really looking forward to because i thought the plot was very intriguing (laughs) It was definitely the beginning of his like weird sense of humor taking the forefront where like it, the quaint weirdness of everyone and the direct matter of fact way in which they communicate becomes very alien. Yeah. Whereas there's only glimpses of it in his old movies like in Unbreakable. There are times where people say weird things in a weird way, but it's done for dramatic effect. Yeah. It's done to be like, oh, shit. Like he's, you know, setting up this or that mystery or paying this off like and he doesn't want to directly have to do some kind of exposition dump. But at this point, it's just just strange. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's an interesting guy. I don't I mean, like we watched that documentary like we know that person is completely fucking separated from what it means to be like a regular person. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So that's fine. I would agree with that. So to enter any of his movies expecting otherwise is a fool's errand. (laughs) And I think that's kind of what I was getting at when I set up the episode where I was just like, you know, you got to look at it under the very specific M. Night lens like of his body of work. Because when I brought up watching it, I was like, you know, I had my same debate that we have every time we have to watch something for the podcast. I'm like, hey, I have to watch something for the podcast. Do you want to watch it together or should I watch it my own time? And she was like, what is this again? I explained it. She's like, I vaguely remember when we were going to go to the movies. We ended up not going to the movies because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, is it supposed to be good? And I was like, well, you know, it's like an M. Night movie. So, like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, the, get what you get. The detractors are going to really detract. Yeah. And the people who love it are probably going to give it a bunch of passes. But, like, it'll look nice. Right. And we watched it. Well, then there's also the past couple M. Night movies, which were Split and Glass, um, which I think is the worst one-two punch in like movie history, which is setting up at the end of a pretty decent movie, which was Split, that it's connected to Unbreakable, but then like doing the biggest faceplant, and that's pun intended for this movie, of all time, um, with Glass. I mean, Glass is reprehensibly terrible to the point where I, I really just can't believe how wrongheaded it is. It's just such a bad movie on I didn't see it. On every conceivable level. Of them. Um Split is really worth watching. Yeah, um, everyone told me that. But uh Unbreak or uh, Glass is just real rough. Real rough experience to have seen that movie and then M Night got shunned again and then made The Visit, which was like a found footage horror movie. 
and uh, that was not the best. Um, and, and then he um, made that TV show that people seem to like. Yeah, him and his daughter, who also is a director, have been making that show, which is really good. Very much his best actual work since his older movies, but I can't fully wreck it until I see what the end is going to be because it is very frustratingly slow and it's very like Lynchian, just right. abstract and crazy at times. And um, but Rupert Grint from uh, yeah, HP. Harry Potter is incredibly good as like a what's that show called again? Servant. Yeah, right. On Apple. Um, really, that's like the best thing he's had his hands in since his older movies. Um, and it's great, but it's also very frustrating. But it's, uh, you know, I'll see when it's over. It's devised as a 40-episode experience, as he said. So we'll see what that fucking ends up as. And um, <laughs> Dan's rolling his eyes. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, and that brings Dude, us just up like, to why the present. Can't, he can't help himself. Like, why can't he just have some humility and be like, yeah, I've had a couple missteps. Like, hope you like the show. He has, no, it's a 40-episode experience. Like, you're setting yourself up for failure so badly, right. dude. So, uh, like, that... why don't you just say they only were willing to fund 40 of them? Oh, we didn't even mention Avatar The Last Airbender. I know. Jesus Christ, is that rancid? I'm not throwing my vape. Okay. I'm not doing it. I'll so come you have it. to walk over here. Um, so uh, today we will be talking about the movie Old, um, which for anybody who might be like, wait, is that that movie where the people on the beach become old? Yes. Correct. Um, so um, Old, the very basic premise and plot killer, is... Killer title. A bunch of... Um, killer title for the, a film. The original... Uh, no bullshit with graphic night. novel that it was based on was called Sandcastle. Yeah, um, I read a I read a little bit of it this week. Very pervy. Yeah, I, re I read it. Yeah, extreme pervert moments in it. Um, it's basically the same plot as this movie, but extremely horned up and bizarre and with like classic French with like pedophilia elements in it and uh, basically like when the first kid become starts aging. Uh, the guy who's the doctor in kind of both the book and the movie is like, yeah, pull your pants down, show everybody your penis. And he does it and there's hair on it, but also like, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> pull your pants down and show everybody Just, your penis? They're freer in Europe then. <laughs> yeah, freer is an understatement. Um, so yeah, it, it was well done, well animated. It was kind of like... Um, American Splendor style animation, just like very, yeah. very dark and depressing and interesting. Um, so, um, old, old, the the conclusion to the holy trinity of my fucking pandemic experience, which right. was the entire series of Survivor followed by the entire series of Lost, pivoting right into old. <laughs> I can't escape creepy beaches. <laughs> I know it's kind of your thing. Yeah, thought maybe you'd like, especially to as someone that. who hates beaches. Like I hate going to the beach. All right, so um, time to unveil the flag of moratorium. Dan, what did you think of M Night Shyamalan's Old? Um, for a movie in which all of the characters speak like complete aliens, and the. <laughs> ultimate uh payoff at the end is set up by the most ham-fisted exposition plot device in the beginning with his son just being a weirdo who asks everyone the profession because he wrote himself into a corner mm -hmm. and the ultimate messaging being that a random policeman will save the day <laughs> you know what i didn't even catch on that one this time <laughs> he seemed like such a nice cop. Yeah, yeah. And he was a man of color. Yeah, who? Yeah, he sure was. Who like <laughs> is is greeted with the most ludicrous information possible and immediately springs into action and saves the day. Dude, that's what cops what, do. Like any random cop could just that quickly summon a chopper. He took advantage of the situation and and thank God that policeman was there to help them, Dan. Yeah. So for a movie in which that's all of it. <laughs> I fucking loved this movie. Me too. I loved it. Yeah. I fucking, I thought the camera work was fucking genius at times. At times, yeah. At times, it was probably uh, congratulating its own genius a little bit. 
Sure. Um, That's classic M Night, though. Yeah, there were some uh, cinematographical <laughs> decisions that I thought were truly terrible, partic Ter terrible. Partic particularly okay. when it came to them running into the rocks to try to leave, and then oh, they get a headache. And then they black out like the way the camera was shaking there. I thought that was pretty cringy mm -hmm. and like sci-fi channel fucking in the 90s. Huh. Ask. Okay. But aside from that, it just felt like fucking one long episode of Lost. Oh, wow. Okay. And this review is inva <laughs> instantly invalidating I, itself. I kept saying I kept saying that I, I was just waiting for the fucking Lost do do to show up. I don't have a cue. No, it was like a big episode of the Twilight Zone. Um, yeah. There, there was a lot of cool trickery. There was a lot of really great makeup. I saw a lot of reviews that really shat on the makeup. I thought some of it wasn't so great. Like some of the actors' faces just didn't really lend themselves no, to I it. I thought it was fantastic. But I thought a lot of it was makeup. really killer. Yeah. Um, and I Especially thought. Especially on Gael Garcia Bernal. Yeah. He was like, looked like an old man. Yeah, and for essentially what equates to a two-hour-long bottle episode, I thought it was super fucking engaging. Interesting. I think you may like this movie more than me. Yeah, I really, I really liked it. I, I gave it like, uh, I, I think I wrote like eight golden guns. Wow. Yeah, I really liked it. I would watch it again. Okay, so like, I had a good time. My, my take on this movie is, I thought the ending was incredibly stupid. My take on this movie <laughs> is that uh, definitely a little bit of a, a, a different angle than you're taking it on. I think, but. For me, um, the setup and conceit and Twilight Zone aspects, payoffs, exposition dumps, and explanations of what was going on on the island slash beach, whatever, were all, like, terrible. Like, really bad. And I, as a, as a sci-fi film, if you will, I guess, uh, or a horror film, it was not successful. If you went into the movie going like, ooh, I can't wait for M. Night to scare me again. Like, surely none of it was scary. But. No. but. Except for, except for the, the one chick. Scoliosis yeah. chick. <laughs> yeah. But. That was, that was a hell of a shot. I would say that the reason that I love this movie is that it is full of implications and illustrations of aging that are harrowing. And. It accomplishes one of my favorite things that very few movies accomplish, which is a sense of chaos. Only certain movies can successfully pull off disorientation, disassociation, and chaos. And the last 20-ish so minutes on the beach, when it's clear that no one's going to make it and everyone is just like in various states of body horror and aging, yeah. are more potent than anything he's touched in a really long yeah. time. Um, the, the movie, to me, boils down to one scene which i think might be the best scene m night has put together or written since six cents are unbreakable which is when you have uh bernal and his wife who are the kind of the main two characters are at a point of aging at which he has lost his sight and she has lost her hearing yeah um they've also aged to a point where they can't remember the tumultuous events of their relationship at all even and they're sitting next to each other i took that as i took that scene as she could remember but he couldn't remember oh well and, oh, and yeah. she was oh, looking yeah. at him with 100%. like almost like an envy that he couldn't remember yes yeah but which the... i thought was like that's like the most like i've never like for a person who is completely alien and has no concept of human emotions like that's like right. the most nuanced interaction between two people i've ever seen him put to screen so like that scene for me is just like incredible like it's it is the apotheosis yeah. of the film. And her performance surely. there, she has this like look about her of just like of like realizing that he doesn't remember and right. like being like that's so great for you. Like there's such a sweet melancholy yeah. to that scene, yeah. which you would that felt some, like a scene out of like a Lars von Trier movie. Yeah, that like a like better filmmakers like true auteurs would it, would have been able to make a whole movie of moments like that instead yeah. of it being baited. As this, like, people stuck at a resort horror movie, like, you know, they, there are so many horror tropes packed into it. There's the island horror tropes. There's the um, uh, science experiment and we're all being observed tropes. There's the we're on vacation and we're taken to the off-beaten path to go to a secret beach tropes. Yeah. All of that shit I did not like. Yeah. What I liked was the emotional center of the movie and it really caps off with that scene that scene when um 
he his memory is gone at this point looks at her and he says were we fighting is just heartbreaking yeah like, an unreal experience to watch um you know yes it's horrible watching your kids grow up i don't have kids and neither do you so i don't know i don't feel that horror but i felt the horror of watching a couple grow old to the point of disassociation right right in front of each other's eyes which is something i've never seen in and, a movie and, and just something like the that idea is just of them incredible going, you really felt like they went through like this movie very easily could have had that moment and if there wasn't enough build up to it enough character development for as much as i shit on his character development mm-hmm. if there wasn't enough subtlety to the character development and nuance to it that very easily could have been a moment that felt like oh they've just like lightning went through their life and it's the end of his life so he doesn't remember whereas like i really felt it as they've experienced the entirety of what it feels like to grow old all that time together like it didn't feel like one day on the island it felt like they just experienced a lifetime condensed yeah they had this like 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 melancholic degree of perception shifts like it was yeah I, I feel lucky in that I when I read the initial plot to this because I had been planning on seeing it at the Philly Film Center mm-hmm. um, and you know when the Philly Film Center writes copy for a movie they tend to be a little bit more nuanced than a lot of like a lot of other places um, and it wasn't really presented as a horror movie so I went into this not thinking it was a horror movie at all I went into it thinking it was like a psychological right. drama that was like at its core about the relationship between the husband and wife right so watching it through that lens any like horror tropes were a surprise to me right and i was just really focused on their relationship which at the beginning i was like okay like i the way they're talking is completely ludicrous and no one interacts like that but also like i had the experience of sitting on vacation on the vacation that was i didn't realize as a kid was like the guise of my parents trying to work out their relationship Uh and spent time in another room listening to them fight in another room while on vacation and not understanding what was going on right i was like this is like a real thing like this is this this has like pathos to it that i'm not used to from him a hundred percent so when everything else that was happening was like ancillary to me to their relationship and i really felt like the arc of it was very strong yeah and I as well, and, and look, credit to M. Night Shyamalan because I read the book and this family does not exist in the book in any way. There's no fraught relationship. There's no reconciliation towards the end. There's not. There's no emotional through line to, to the graphic novel. Honestly, this is one of the rare instances where the source material is worse than the movie that was presented where M. Night Shyamalan added, yeah, some shit that didn't work, like mid-sized sedan being the name of a character <laughs> who's a rapper. Like, that's yeah. the kind of thing where M. Night thinks he's being funny, but no person would ever actually do that. Yeah. So That like, was, like, just unbreakable stupid. Kimmy Schmidt-level humor. It was it was really stupid. That Like, there are moments of that throughout. I mean, M. Night does two things that are, like, they tell you in the first day of film school not to do. One is when they're breaking down the exposition at the end of the movie about what happened and what the beach really is, a guy is lecturing his whole scientific team and he goes, as you all know, it's like literally you're you're not even supposed to put that in a script anymore. Like don't put as you know, ever in a fucking script. Right. Um, And it's just like stuff like that where it's like, this needed a pass by like one of his writing partners. There was, there was something, Oh God, there was something that I thought of along that lines that was, probably the most egregious screenwriting football i've seen in recent memory keep going sorry i had another one too and i'm also trying to think of it oh well the other one that bothered me was male gaze which like at this point we're supposed to be over male gaze but multiple times in yeah. this movie m night like zoomed in on a girl's ass and it was just fucking especially weird. when it was like that was how they showed that the daughter like went through puberty while off camera for a couple seconds was like that she previously was just like a child and then the next shot is only her ass that's like defined dude yeah that was weird and then like even the girl at the beginning i remember what i was thinking of not from this movie it was from that fucking leo dicaprio movie that you keep simping from Uh where they're in the fucking they're in the car on the way to what ends up being like leo's wife's house and it cuts to them they're driving down the song highway and uh jennifer lawrence is like she's like where are we going again? And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, how long is it taking you to ask this question? Yeah, yeah. Like they're in the middle of nowhere. They've been driven driving for hours. Hey, where are we going? Hey, again? where are we going? Yeah, and as soon and that, then he was like, as you know, yeah, we're and, on the road, right? And that was the moment I was like, fuck this movie into the sun. Um, 
Yes. Yeah, so like he, we're going to the grocery store. He does some fucking stupid stuff in this movie. I honestly zero think, out of ten. Don't look up. I always I'll honestly think that the editing of this movie is really bad at points and is really exhausting at points. There's the editing with the fucking cuts. the knife slices. Yeah, when things is are fucking insane. When the action <laughs> is happening in this movie, the editor is completely dropping the ball. Um, and but at the same time, you have M Night making choices. Like you have M Night. Uh, separating the screen into three vertical bars multiple times, which, like, he did a lot of obstruction and stuff and, like, unbreakable opens with, you know, you're being blocked by one of the seats on the train. Yeah. Looking, and you only see a sliver of the conversation yeah. happening. That was on display here in the beginning. The drinks that they were ultimately yeah. being drugged with, they were separated into thirds. There was multiple signs where times where they were separated into thirds and, like, bars. And so, like, you could tell M. Night was, like, trying to do his thing. There was a scene also where... They reveal that the kids are older, but they wait a very long time before they show them, and they obscure them in a very M. Night way. Yeah. Um, there's a scene where either someone's dying on the ground or having a seizure, and instead of showing the person, they're zooming past the faces of the people looking down right. at them. I liked how a lot in a lot of those scenes were handled with, instead of doing like what would I think to be the go-to camera trickery of doing a lot of cuts, Right. He actually showed a lot of restraint in those by trying to present it as like a long single shot of where the camera's just focusing on different people and then spinning around. Right. And having shit like play out like a play where like the aging is happening while the camera's focusing on someone else, but there's no actual cut that I thought was very tastefully done. A lot of moments yeah. of this felt like a play that I was not expecting. I would have loved I was expecting Dude, it's so a funny lot of like because I, I for the first time thought on this rewatch. I would love to see a play with this being the plot of. Yeah. Multiple actors, multiple casts. And and the casting for the son throughout his various ages yeah. was unbelievable. He was like a young Stanley Tucci by the time he died. <laughs> yeah, but I totally bought that it oh, was yeah. the same person. They did a really good like, job. I was like, was that now, all? Did they, wife, ca- did they cast a bunch of siblings? My wife like, is very upset. She'll be remiss if I don't mention that she's very upset that the main girl in the family... She doesn't age at all. ...switched <laughs> one actor less than the boy. Even though they do explain in the movie that someone younger is going to go through faster change and cell regeneration but she would have liked to have seen one more actress in that role so shout out rachel for they really they really milked the the second actress for her hard um we also rachel and i saw that paul Shear had um auditioned to be the role of the concierge like the lead scientist guy and he posted his audition video online i've decided that he would have been better than the weird (laughs) creepy european man that they dug up from god knows where um and look the book uh is not clear about what happens on that beach it ends with a very metaphorical story being told from one character to another as they die the baby that turns into dust in my notes i have dust baby as its own (laughs) note um that's what they called me in college actually that's my (laughs) that's what the rap they call you you dust baby holmes (laughs) that's what the rapper's name should have been Dust baby. Little, See, that's funny, dude. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah, but, little dust baby. Uh, little dust baby would have been better than mid-sized sedan. <laughs> Such a stupid joke. Such like a childish joke. Yeah. That character in the book is is just like an old Arab man. So everyone hates him because ah, he's Arab. Dicey. Yeah, it got got a little racist um, in the book. But like one of the things that I liked in the movie, or not that I like that I found uncomfortable in the movie that I liked in the book. Um, and it kind of explained it a little better. It was like mid-sized sedan is definitely macking on that young girl, like right off the bat when she becomes old. Yeah. It's like mid-sized sedan, like starts having this weird, like 10 second relationship with, um, is it the main daughter? Yeah. 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 With the main daughter of the family as she's like going through puberty basically. Yeah. Whereas in the book, like the, those characters, she literally like bangs him, like forces him. <laughs> him to bang her and it's disgusting and horrible and weirdly perverted and just when i saw a hint of it in the movie i was like ew that's disgusting and then i read the book and i was like french people are more disgusting than m night Shyamalan will ever be so yeah, right so he actually toned some of those elements down a lot um i mean they made irreversible but there's no explanation uh whereas this movie not only loses points for having m night in it God, how I wish he would I know. God, how I wish he wouldn't have put himself in this. And not only that, but to make him be, like, the crux of the reveal at the end. And not only that, but the meta nature of the fact that he's been watching them all on the island with binoculars. Like, us, the viewer, like, him, the director, is just, why, man? Stop. I I really... Stop it! Um, I I have a note that says, uh... M. Night, no! The... 
It was about the journey, ending entirely unnecessary. Going back to show the way they escaped was the most superfluous thing I've ever seen. Yeah, that, oh my god. Like, Jesus, we, that's such bad editing. They show, they show that they escape. We see that happen, and then it cuts back to show the way they escaped. No way. Somewhere within this movie, Dan, is like the first 10 out of 10 M. Night Shyamalan movie. Yeah. Since The Sixth Sense. Yeah. That movie, though, does not exist. At best, I... I this movie... and, and also hold on for the ending the crux being that m night is watching them they don't come up from the coral and he's like oh okay. well it's been a minute and a half so clearly they're... i'm out and he says that out loud like he has to make a phone call to be like Dude. no of course i know they're dead i've been waiting for a minute and a half like really why don't you wait three minutes why don't you wait till like the longest amount of time if your entire fucking illegal operation is hinged upon the fact that these people aren't going to escape why don't you wait another you've been you've been watching them for a day and a half. Dude, there's so many things that don't make sense about it. And I just want to bring this up really quick, which is just like same others barefoot conundrum. This did not have to be antagonistic. Right. These scientists testing these drugs could have reached out to terminally sick people and right. said, listen, you're going to die. Come to this beach and we are going to test medicine on you that A, may save hundreds of thousands of people, but B, may save you. But they don't so want to like, risk any placebo effect. But dude, what dude, whatever. That's so, so not they, that's so not they, valid. So they had to do this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> like this is for what they are saying they are uh, uh, achieving on this beach. It's too small of an operation. First of all, the lead guy, the European guy, who is the concierge at the hotel, who also turns out to be the lead scientist of the entire operation. What? leaves his experiments all day long and like walks around and asks people how their pina coladas are right, and right. like and like oh how is your how's your meal senor would you like to go to a beach like that no like that dude needs to be in the lab that just doesn't yeah, make sense yeah, like no, why, it's why does it have to be like a setup for like it's getting a tourists all of that and dude, also if I, you would have just had this movie be just what happened on that fucking beach yeah by itself yeah. with better tension better one more script pass and, and no dude, resolution. At the end, zoom in. Look, dude, how meta and genius of him would it have been if at the end, instead of this whole 10 to 15 minute explanation, you just zoom in on the hill and there's a dude with a camera watching. Yeah. That's all there was in the book, by the way, was they saw a dude, they said, I think I just saw someone on the hill with a camera. And you never see it, even in the illustration of the book. And that is where they should have left it. And M. Night, once again, is a victim to his own excess. He can't help himself. So... I can give this movie a seven. That's my feeling about it. But it's a seven that I would recommend anyone to watch this movie because, and this is the weirdest thing to say in the world, but like this movie is for all ages. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a child could have a through line with the children character. An adult sees, oh, the relationship aspect. Someone more mature than you and I is like, oh, children. Um, yeah, right. Yada, yada, yada. And then there are people that are already old who are starting to get dementia. I mean, there's commentary on that. The doctor character who gets dementia, that's all harrowing and the, really incredibly but, but also, like, the, it was <laughs> Kat's only critique of the movie was that, like, it could have been 20 minutes shorter if they, like, didn't just keep cutting back to him in the background just looking creepy. When, like, he had already sliced, he had already stabbed someone, he had already fucking tried to pull a knife on someone. Like, why didn't they tie him up? Why didn't they do anything? Miles from Lost would have known to tie that fool up and head smash him. What was your official score? Eight. I couldn't buy that actor as anyone besides Miles from Lost and the idea that he wasn't going to head smash the doctor and was just going <laughs> to leave, leave him sitting in the corner when he had already attacked someone with a knife. And, like, you know, I thought, like, it was a – I was like, oh, that's a really smart move to stab him with a rusty knife at the end. But also, like, that – it was like they didn't tie him up purely to make – allow that scene to exist. Well, Dan, I'm shocked that you like this movie. I, like I truly it am. I liked it a lot. I, I truly am. And um, I really expected you were going to hate this. And look. This is what I'm saying, though. This is what I was trying to allude to earlier when I'm saying that, like, I'm past the point of, like, the ending being terrible of something for me to, like, dismiss it. Or, right. like. Well, I'm not dismissing like, it either. now it's like. There, I, I love it. I, yeah. I bought it. It's just, like, there's so many movies. But it's flawed. <laughs> For sure. But there's so many movies that I watch in general and that I've watched for this podcast that I hate it every second of the way. Mm -hmm. And from Jump Street, I'm just like, fuck this. And I'm just like miserable. Whereas this one, I was like, 
I was like, oh, there's only like 15 minutes left in the movie, and I'm having a good time. The like, next, the next two movies for this podcast, I have absolutely no clue what your reaction to is going to be. They're also new, so we're gonna keep riding this wave in terms of like movies I think are actually kind of good or interesting. Um, but uh, we got a stinker coming up for sure. Um, it's gonna be damaging to both of our lives. What's but, that? So the next two are going to be Malignant and Dear Evan Hansen, uh, okay. one of which is my favorite horror movie from last year. The other of which is a movie that I have not seen that is a musical with the plot of basically the Book of Henry, but starring a 30-year-old man pretending to be a 15-year-old because he was the star of the play on Broadway. Got some of the worst reviews of last year and is supposed to be wildly offensive, and I'm little upset about that because as we know both of us hate musicals it's gonna be very damaging yeah why are we watching that uh because we just got to do this every once in a while you can't always be just enjoying ourselves right okay. we got to throw a little wrench in the works and see what the rest of the world is cringing <laughs> yeah to. but there's plenty of movies that i think i'll like that end up being terrible right. without <laughs> having to watch own. a musical <laughs> but dude i would have told you i thought book of henry is gonna be fucking terrible and you love that so we'll see what happens book of henry was pretty funny all right so i have one um quick segment to end the show you ready yeah so this is m night quotes to cringe to uh, okay these are some quotes that i found on the internet from m night Shyamalan that make me want to die um i don't know how you will feel about them but they are just are any of them worse than adam mckay saying that people who don't like don't look up just don't get it no okay <laughs> That's what my 30 second, that's what my Jeopardy segment should have been about that fucking movie. All right, you ready for the first one? Yeah. I feel most akin as an artist in my life and career to Agatha Christie. Thoughts? What? <laughs> Does he expand on that at all? No, that was the entire quote. I think that's a fucking hilarious. Someone asked him, you know, who would you say your career is closest to? He said Agatha Christie. Do you think he was being serious or just being hilarious? M. Knight's always serious. I'm not, I, I, I don't know. know what level I don't you know are anymore, man. I really don't know anymore. Are you going to take some of these as their trolls? I I think my life is better if I start seeing M. Knight as an elaborate troll. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be better for this podcast, surely. Um, That's so fucking why. If you gave me a thousand guesses, I would not have filled in Agatha Christie. <laughs> like literally a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> well you know you don't know everything about night man this is no. just so we can be better fans okay. um i love my stories being multi-layered and coming at it from different angles so that you don't understand the film's true emotional motivation until the very end okay bro come on if you watch signs and you don't know what the fuck is going on with the emotional through line like if it's not being beaten down your fucking throat enough like come on <laughs> Yeah, great, like oh, you don't understand what my movies are really about until the end. Like fuck you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I watched the end of this movie and it was dumb. Yeah, the like, ending to this movie did nothing for the emotional through line besides to tell us that if you're in trouble, just go find a police officer and he'll save you. Oof. Which he would, because the police are good, Dan. Fuck the police. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have it up on this uh, screen, but just imagine. <laughs> um, <clears throat> If I'm hesitant at all about an idea, then it's not going to be the right idea. <laughs> really? <laughs> Says a guy who has made like some of the biggest mistakes yeah. like ever. Like, like the, the the buried secrets of the M. Night Sisterhood. <laughs> yeah, was that a mistake? Making zero, a he zero hesitancy. Making huh? a documentary about how you I mean, but dude, that fucking plays, that plays into the mythos of him. He's just a fucking deluded lunatic. I'm, so, I'm starting to really love M. Night Shyamalan again. Yeah, like, like this have, movie is his renaissance. You have for to sure. respect that he just like truly believes that he is just like the truth. Like it can be 20 <laughs> years of people being All like, right. dude, you're bad at making movies now. Just relax. And he's like, dude, <clears throat> this one. Yeah. All right. Let's hear it. Oh my god, dude. I, I struggle to say this one out loud, honestly. <sighs> I don't pretend I'm any cooler or any smarter than I am. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> M Night, you've your entire career is yeah. you pretending to be cooler and smart. The the buried secrets, bro. Like yeah. you made a documentary yeah, about yourself about being how a he's literally fucking a superhero. <laughs> What or what were his powers? Not a psychic. He was. He no, could, he was kind of a psychic. He, he could was like he, he could communicate with the dead. He could. He yeah. He was a psychic and everything in his movies that happened was real. Yeah, he was. A, he was <laughs> himself had superpowers as long as he was near Philly. 
<laughs> so stupid. Yeah, and they said the word Philadelphia no less than 16 oh, yeah. times in this movie. Uh, characters are just running around being like, hello, my name is John. I'm from Philadelphia. Yeah. It was really a lot. Yeah. The South Philly Italians were really rooting for this one. Um. Oh, also, I forgot. I would be remiss if I mentioned this. On rewatch, because, again, hard to see foreshadowing correctly without a rewatch on yeah. the movie, but... This being my second time, the opening line of the movie is that her daughter, Prisca, the main character, her daughter is singing. And she says to her, I can't wait to hear your voice when you're older. I know. Um, and then later in the movie, as she's dying of old age on the beach, he makes her sing for her. Yeah. Oh, my fucking God. That setup payoff was Chekhov's emotional gun of the fucking year and that one rocked me this this rewatch I just wanted to mention that while I'm in the middle of mentioning M. Night funny quotes to cringe to it's funny because I, I missed the initial uh, the initial line of that I was more aware of it when I read reviews of the movie oh but, they mentioned but, the review but uh, yeah a lot a lot of reviews actually picked up on that um, but the second time she was when she was singing to her in old age yeah god she sings like shit yeah, she's <laughs> It's like, I didn't say and, anything. And also the song she's singing is written and performed by M. Night's Daughter, and it's playing during the credits as well. Amazing. Um, <clears throat> you ready for more? Yeah. My biggest fear in life is to be average. Well, at least he has nothing left to fear. <laughs> <laughs> There's a freedom to that. That's true. <laughs> I mean, he's like he's above average. Dude. No, no, like, he is for sure. This is but just like, a dude who. But just like... you also have not seen some of his worst movies, right? Right. And if I were to show them to you, as the next two movies on this podcast, you fucking kill yourself, <laughs> and you'd be singing a very different <laughs> tune about this new respected auteur in your mind. Like you have skipped a lot of them, Dan. You didn't see the visit. No. You, like you have missed a lot. I goddamn fucking dare you to watch the visit. I maybe we should do that on this podcast. It is shockingly weird like if you think a character being named mid-sized stan is weird like the visit stars a kid who's 12 who the entire movie is rapping like from end to end he's a little white kid who looks like um like someone from even stevens basically <laughs> raps the entire movie and it's a found footage horror movie oh my god but yeah no i hear you i mean he is above average he has a vision for sure it's just sometimes that vision is terrible yeah straight I up I mean, like, when I think of, like, average filmmakers, I think of, like, Adam McKay. Um, fuck you. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, except for Pixar, I've made the four most successful original movies in a row of all time. I mean, whether that's factually Wait, accurate what? to have said it out loud is just disgusting. Regarding um, what? Like, the sixth sense? Yeah, through... all the way through the village. First four. They call it the first four in M. Night circles. So you, it's you the sixth sense... Right. Uh, the the village at Unbreakable and what? Um, What's the fourth? Signs, dude. Oh, huh. signs, right. Um, all right. Next. But the village was the village that successful? Yeah. It was I mean, huge. on paper, oh, oh, but no, everyone fucking hated it. Yeah, that's a different story. But it was huge. Made a ton of money. Okay. Good, um, good for you. He's obsessed about the money he made from that movie. He's mentioned it in all the interviews I read about this were bizarre. What a fucking weirdo. Man. Okay, you ready to get weirder? That's like that like Indian parent thing, right? Like. Dude. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Say it. I, it's all there. Um, all right. So uh, this one this one will be good for the podcast for sure. Um, I once wrote an article about the Nuremberg trial <laughs> and on the evil of the Nazis. These people were animals and their faces throughout the trial were like ice, except for the moment that they showed a movie in the courtroom. When the lights went down and they showed the footage of the bodies being pushed in the pits, their expressions changed and became emotional. They were like watching the events on the screen through the eyes of everyone else in the theater. They were having a joint movie experience. They were all connected and they saw the horror, saw that their victims were human beings, and they changed. Is this all from the same interview? <laughs> um, no. That He's is a, a psychotic thing to say out loud. <laughs> <laughs> like like that was all a good sentiment right if he didn't include the line it's like a movie <laughs> i know that's where it really fell off um uh, uh <clears throat> on the lady in the water 2006 making that film for me as an artist was the greatest moment of my entire life what um and finally 
I've had more success than anybody should be allowed to have. Agreed. I'm. <laughs> I feel like you're already hating him by the end of this segment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, everything I've ever written has been offered to be made into a movie, and my nine films that are original ideas have averaged 270 million each. Shut your mouth. I just can't complain about anything, but I get tired. I mean, you know, there's a part of me that's like, I know how on like people tend to write fucking dozens of movies before one even gets like optioned. So right. like for that to be the case could lead you to be completely detached from what it's like to be even a slightly above average human being. But like, God, shut your mouth. Just shut your mouth one time. Um, damn. Like that, that <laughs> like, dude, that was just like a bunch of shut your mouth one time. That was it, a, a series of quotes that just embodied the scene in fucking the documentary watch where he's in Jim's steak shop being like, mm-hmm. where everyone around's like, you don't know M. Night Shot, you don't know Knight, he's a Philly legend, bro. Hey, yo, you don't know Knight. Oh, At, this n- guy. N- you know, Knight was on set, like, running through the fucking script. He's like, I don't think I mentioned Philly enough for the peeps. Jesus fucking Christ, he mentioned it so many times. Um, uh, Dan, finally, we need to move on to our uh, last segment of the moment of okay. the day here, um, and that is going to be the rental meter. I'm going to hand you now the official rental meter scores for you to calculate. Oh, I didn't read any of this because I, uh, I hadn't watched the movie yet. Here is uh, the piece of paper I just ripped with the scores on it, and while he calculates that, I'm going to get the reviews up here. And now it's time for our official movie blues rental meter, where we let the people decide as well as ourselves. Oh, did you add our scores in though? No, you did not. He's oh. gonna have to retabulate here. Oh god, what was your score? Um, I gave the movie a seven. a seven. You gave it an eight. Okay. So while Dan adds that up, I'm going to start sharing the thoughts and prayers from Rental Zone. There weren't many this time. I don't know if this movie sparks a little less enthusiasm in the rental zone i think people's vitriol i think for less matrix. people saw it <laughs> yeah potentially i mean this was on hbo Ma- or uh matrix was on hbo max this was you gave it a what in a seven seven mm-hmm. so um all right moved it up a little bit dan what is the official rental meter respective of our scores as well uh to bring back to the rental zone 6.1 6.1 it's a little lower than it should be that's, that's how, for sure. That's how I feel. I mean, it's the same shit. There, are, people gave it two. Like, I don't know, man. What do you people like? I just this is shit that makes me feel like people went to see a movie that they intended on hating. Yeah, I like mean, you read the plot to this movie, you see who made the movie, and then you're presented with this movie. Like, I was like, yeah, that's what this movie should be. Let's see what some of our uh, users thought this is from evan the same guy who had a very good uh take on the matrix kind of middle of the road take on the matrix from the last episode evan cutler waddle says four out of ten would probably be a 4.5 but i'm rounding down the counter all those sevens oh i guess he was looking at the the uh scores. wow um uh did you know that the m and m night Shyamalan stands for mediocre you probably did Lots of mother vibes here in terms of uncomfortable performances with vague allegories that felt like they were meant to more mean to uh, meant to mean more than they actually do. Except with old, there's nothing interesting being said. <coughs> it's worth mentioning that this is the most I've enjoyed a film of his since Lady in the Water, which I. S- oh no, I didn't, dude. I didn't get to this part. I can't believe I didn't, I can't even believe I let my printer print this out. Okay, this is bad. Evan, I'm sorry, dude. This is fucking bad. I I think for your safety, I should probably not read this on the air. Keep going. It's worth mentioning that this is the most I've enjoyed a film of his since Lady in the Water, which I still stand by as a great kids movie. Jesus Christ, no. The cinematography is absolutely stunning, as it generally is with him, credit where it's due, etc. And the first two-thirds of the film have a lot of unshyamalanic choices being made in a very shyamalanic <laughs> world, where some great actors give some really rigid, almost caricature-like shyamalanic performances, agreed, I mean, obviously, with all this, almost to a point of feeling more like a meta-commentary. Plot twist, it isn't. It's just a dude who forgot how to direct actors over the last... <laughs> nice yeah i mean we've been saying a lot of things like this there's a few genuine surprises in here even if the twist doesn't even count as a twist i would say no it's very obvious from the get-go they're being fucked with 
has little surprise in it and has less to do with anything the rest of the movie has seemed to be about. So he made a decent movie, then tacked on a silly ass short at the end to tie up stuff that he didn't need tying up. Yeah. Essentially, he narcanned a pretty chill Friday night speedball. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, no, <laughs> I agree with like a lot of that. Yeah. And the zinger at the end is fucking perfect. A because... pretty chill Friday night speedball. <laughs> Like, the movie could have been really octane and well done if it was, like, Lars von Trier's old. You know what I mean? But right. M. Night had to go in and fucking do a bunch of dumbass shit in it that, again, that's why I gave it a 7 because it is, it does have moments of goofiness, but the things that work about it are so potent. Yeah. Um, all right, and finally, we'll hear from one more person. That's Andre, as per usual. One of the more visually stunning movies of the last year. I don't... I thought there's some pretty bad effects in this movie and the, the rocks look really faked. I need to watch a behind the scenes because I really thought that a lot I, of it looked kind of like it. shit. I thought it looked beautiful, man. Okay, I really, I really liked right. it. That's, that's good. I mean, there were some great shots I was, and I was, visuals I was, I was it, but... severely impressed by how the movie looked. Okay, great. All right. All right. You know, what do I know? Um, um, some shockingly grotesque and deranged sequences eh, could have been more or less. I don't know. Suffers somewhat from Shyamalan's typical goofy plotting and dialogue, true, but very much has his heart in the right place as a meditation on morality. The characters who cling to their egos suffer the most. Um, yeah, that's, interesting. That's a that's, that's an interesting take too. The yeah. people with the biggest egos suffer the most. That is true. Yeah, the wife, the doctor, I yeah. mean, midsize sedan. There's there's an argument to be made <laughs> um, of that the the vanity of the wife being basically like a like an Instagram influencer leads to her having the most intense downfall. Mm -hmm. That is interesting, yeah. and and I feel like at multiple times in this movie he's trying to say things that are kind of beyond the pale of his normal yeah. work, but not all of them connect. But the ones that do, I thought were very strong. So, and also, Gael Garcia Bernal is like usually I don't like his acting. He's like one of those actors that just kind of like looks like a cool Spanish dude and <laughs> doesn't have any range really and yeah. just kind of plays himself and I thought he did a really good job of playing this like sweet but affable conflicted dad type yeah. it, was, it was interesting um, so yeah we did it. We did uh, two good ones in a row there bud yeah man that's strong yeah hopefully that keeps up I was gonna say and that'll never happen again <laughs> <laughs> Dan any further thoughts on M. Night Shyamalan's old uh, I think a lot of people go into his movies so ready to hate it that they don't give it a fair shot. Which, like, again, he's more than earned. Guy who has not seen some of his worst movies. I mean, but like, I are, but like, that's the difference is like, I haven't seen his worst movies because I thought the happening was so fucking stupid. And right. I thought that like his previous movies held up so poorly under scrutiny that like i just stopped seeing them instead of going to see them and bitch about them well now that you're in m night mode you should hit up uh split yeah and uh, see silk city at the end of it i Come know on. everyone's always telling me about that i saw that in theaters saw silk city in theaters and was at living like two minutes from there at the time it was one of the most meta fucking bizarre moments in any movie i've ever seen it, it couldn't have been weirder and then come to learn that i now live it's within like, less than a block even closer than i lived to silk city to another famous scene from unbreakable so like i live in the unbreakable universe i don't have powers yet but i just want you to know that i'm a character in the unbreakable universe and i auditioned for the movie <laughs> that's true and your so, your power would have been getting gravely ill <laughs> getting super <laughs> ill extreme aversion to jewishness and cultures and holidays uh, all right well um catch us next time for either uh malignant or um dear evan hansen I'm not sure what we're gonna do yeah we're gonna, we're do gonna it, go but... from two back-to-back -back movies that everyone saw to two movies that no one saw as is tradition variety the spice of life <laughs> yeah all, all right. right uh so should we end this with like a rapidly aging baby oh, rapidly aging baby dust baby <laughs>